Uh, out of class, gentlemen. Fighter pilots. Young JG, that's what Who? Me? And of course, Sam Chabu. Yeah, we back. Hartsfield Jackson, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I. Yeah. Turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up. Young JG in the passenger, we know we keep the burn up. Hey everyone, in this episode of the Begin to Fly podcast, I interview Rafael Lupo. He was so gracious with his time. I posted on the Utah Aviation group about the podcast, wondering if any other pilot would like to tell their story, and he volunteered. I had never met him personally before this podcast, but I'm so glad that he reached out because his story is awesome. He's from Brazil and has kind of a unique approach and way that he went about his flight training to get to where he is today flying Learjets. So you will enjoy this just as much as I did. Very grateful for his time. Let's uh, jump into the sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BeginToFly.com, the simplest and easiest way to get your private pilot license, and SIBO Marketing. Google experts, they are great at SEO and pay-per-click, and can help send more online traffic to your website, especially during this time of coronavirus where people are shopping online. So go ahead and give them a shout-out and check out their website. Get them to boost your online marketing. Without further ado... Let's jump into Raphael. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Begin to Fly podcast. I'm sitting here with Raphael Lupo. How's it going, Raphael? Hey, doing good, Alan. How about yourself? Doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I actually have never met you in person, but I put something out on the Utah Aviation group saying, hey, like other pilots, do you guys have cool stories? And you reached out, which was super nice because you didn't have to. You're you're busy and you have a family, so I really appreciate you doing so. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me. And uh, hey, man, if I can help out the aviation community, I'm I'm always down for it. So awesome. Well, cool. Um, the the first question that we always ask the pilots that are on the the podcast is basically, when did you realize that you wanted to be a pilot? So. Basically, for me, it was kind of, I was born into it. Uh, my grandpa was originally a pilot. He was a flight instructor most of his life. My dad, my uncle, mostly everyone in my family, they currently do fly and, and are pilots. So for me, it was more like second nature. I, I never saw myself doing anything else. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, I'm also a third generation pilot. Um, nice. it, it wasn't uh, as obvious i i didn't really run towards it as much as i wish that i had because i could have gotten my ratings a lot younger than i did but um it's definitely nice having role models and people that have done the flight training route before so they can kind of give guidance and whatnot i always respect first generation pilots but yeah well sweet man so um tell us a little bit about what track you chose did you choose um well i usually ask the military route the civilian route but it appears that you went the civilian route because you had flight instructors in the family. Yeah. Uh, so my route was a little different than most of the guys that are probably listening to this. Um, basically me, I'm, I'm originally from Brazil. So I got all my flight training done down there. And when I moved up here to the United States, I actually had to go through the process of converting all the licenses in order to be able to fly here. So Basically, there's a ton of different regulations. Um, there's a more in-depth knowledge that you've got to learn in order to fly over here. 
And so, yeah, basically once I moved up here, I found an instructor, a few different instructors actually went through each part of the training, retook all the check rides. And uh, now I am where I'm at. That's, that's awesome. Was it kind of a pain to have to go back and do all those check rides? Because I mean, it's not, (laughs) it's not super fun, right? (laughs) Yeah. Originally. So when I first, when I first started looking into converting everything, I was like, Oh wait, I have my commercial multi in Brazil. Sweet. I just do one check ride and I got my commercial multi in the U S but that's not how it really works. So I actually had to take the, the ridden for the private, um, do a couple of hours or a few hours and, then do the check ride and then same thing for instrument the biggest one there is in brazil you get your commercial at 150 hours and here you get it at 250 so i did spend quite a bit of time uh you know time building to get to the hours in order to then be able to complete the training so yeah wow yeah that to me that would be crazy just to feel like you've kind of already made it um getting those ratings is such a big accomplishment then going somewhere else where they basically say hey it you don't have any. <laughs> yeah, whatever you did, it doesn't count. It's like, ugh, really? Right, um, right. So you you came here, you you know took your lickings, and you went through the process. Um, what would you say was like the biggest difference or change that you had to make compared to flying in Brazil to the U.S.? The, the biggest thing that I would say is how in-depth they teach you things. Um, like we briefly chatted a second ago, um, in Brazil, you know, they do your flight training. It's very simple. It's like, Hey, push this lever in and you go faster, pull it out and you go slower kind of thing. (laughs) And, and, and like, Hey, let's go out flying. Let's find out what the, actually the airplane does. Now the advantage to that part is I learned how to actually fly the airplane because, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, this is happening because of this. Okay. I, I learned how to fly itself. When I moved to America and then I actually started studying here, uh, there's a lot more of like, this works because of this, which we, you know, I hadn't learned before. Uh, Like I previously mentioned, uh, weight and balance is something that they only teach you when you're doing your ATP down there. Mm -hmm. So your own commercial and stuff, they don't teach how to do a, a weight and balance. They're like, oh, you don't need it. Um, holy cow yeah so actually oh you know what is a weight imbalance so i had to learn all those new things and yeah had had a had quite a bit of time to actually study learn the differences learn the regulations there is a lot more airspace that we go through here there's a lot more things happening so you got to kind of keep keep more attention on it yeah well, cool. No, that's that's awesome. To just think about the difference. And I had a ground instructor. Um, he was my ground instructor when I was going through my private pilot license. Mm-hmm. And he was a corporate guy. And he said that he flew down to Brazil a lot. And he said that there's a, just a lot of golf airspace in Brazil. And it's pretty yes. much just every man for himself. Good luck type of thing. Is that true? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> you know, a funny story with that is I actually got my my private pilot done or pretty much all my courses there in an uncontrolled airfield. And there is this one time, and this was my first solo flight and I'm on the whole short line. I look, you know, all the ways I don't see anyone. I make my radio announcements. No one responds. And I start back taxing to, to get on the runaway to take off. And, and as soon as I start taxing, I see, you know, two lights pretty dim on the distance, but they're getting bigger. what is that you know so i keep looking at it and i'm making radio announcements thinking there's someone there's a guy on the downwind okay that's not him and those lights are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then 
man, this this air uh, agricultural plane literally flies over me on the airstrip about 30 feet over my head. Holy cow. Lands after me. I get to the end of the runway. I, you know, I take off, do my fly, whatever, land. And then I go and chat with the guy. I was like, hey, man, uh, this was my first solo flight. And you you just flew right over my head at like 30 feet as I was on the runway taxi <laughs> back. What is this? And he's like, oh, I was listening to music. I, I wasn't even paying attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's flying in Brazil there. That's insane. Yeah. And um, probably anyone else wouldn't even chatted with him. He's like, oh, yeah, that's completely normal. How's it going? Like waved at him as he's going. Yeah. Over. yeah. <laughs> but um, and radio calls, I'm assuming, are they done in Portuguese? Yes, they are. And uh, is that very different um, or is it pretty similar? It's just directly translated from uh, English to Portuguese. Pretty much directly translated. There's a couple uh, different things. Like, for example, if you're if you're passing through an altitude, say you're climbing 10,000, passing 15 to 20 or whatever, uh, over there they would use the word crossing. So crossing 15,000 to 200. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, just minor differences like that, but mostly streamlined translation. Cool. And so when you came to the U.S., um, did you already speak English fluently and it wasn't much of a, a challenge or did you have to kind of learn the U.S. No, radio the, calls? The English, the, I already spoke it fluently, but at first my, my radio call signs sucked. Um, <laughs> I'm still learning a little bit, but definitely a lot better than when I first started. Yeah, that's funny. Well, cool. And did you come here just on a work visa student visa yeah so um, I, I originally came well, i've been i've been coming back and forth my whole life but since the last time i was going to utah valley university for their aviation program there for a little bit um and that was brought you know brought me definitely to the u.s gotcha because i have a bunch of friends of mine one is one of them is from Brazil, one of them's from Ukraine, one of them's mm-hmm. from Mexico, one of them's from Guatemala. And they, they're they all pretty bummed about all the different hoops that uh, international students have to jump through to get their uh, licenses here. Yeah. How was that? And what advice do you have to a foreign uh, pilot who wants to come and learn aviation here and is maybe discouraged by all the different hoops that they have to jump through? So if you have the money, um, which I didn't, <laughs> but if you have the money, probably the easiest way would be say, hey, go go to a college, go to a school, you know, that they will give you all the documentation, including mm-hmm. your visas and stuff to come live here. Um, there are a few flight schools that deal a lot with foreign students. There's a CAE, um, there's one up in Oregon called Hillsborough Aviation. Now, I never flew with them. I'm not associated with them in any way, but they do a lot with foreign students so they can have all the legalities they're taken care of. Um, and that's probably the easiest, um, least expensive way of coming and learn how to fly here. Cool. No, thanks so much for that advice because I don't really know what to tell my friends that ask me these questions because fortunately, just because of where I was born, I, I don't have to worry about it. And it's, it's such a pain for everyone else to have to go through like the TSA pre-checks and it's, yeah, I actually have one of my good friends also from Brazil. She, um, she relocated from Brazil and and she went to the school in Oregon, uh, Hillsborough aviation. Mm -hmm. They, and I remember talking to her, but they handled all of her visa 
and they basically went from private all the way to CFI. And when she reached her CFI, they gave her a work authorization for a certain period of time where she could actually become a CFI. Cool. Uh, and, you know, work as a CFI for, for a meantime. So that's, that, that's awesome. a really good opportunity there. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, I'm sure that's going to be very helpful um, for people who are brainstorming how in the world they're going to do it. Right. So, well, cool. So you were in Brazil, you came here to the United States. Um, flight instruction um, is really tough. And then building the hours is really tough. And funding it, um, learning everything. Right. It's, it's just like pre-flighting an airplane when it's like one in the morning and it's freezing outside, you're scraping ice off the wings. Like it can really be um, difficult at times. So what were some challenges that you had to overcome and how did you do it? Um, I would say the biggest challenge there, it's, it's definitely the money. Yeah. Um, especially if you're like, Hey man, you know, what can I do? I, I am very grateful for my dad. He, he's helped me quite a lot through the training. Um, I know that not everyone will have that. And then, you know, as a, and this is right when I moved after I've been here for a little bit and then working on my, mostly my commercial and my multi, I was like, Hey, I need a little bit of money. If you, if you think you have the skills to talk to people and stuff, I, I actually went and sold cars for a little bit. Yeah. And that made me pretty good money. I was able to actually finish all my training. Um, you know, me, my wife and our daughter, we still enjoyed going out and stuff. So that was one of the jobs that I found that you can make really good money with no education. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one advice there that I would no, say. That's, that. that's awesome. I actually had a student from Ethiopia who he sold cars and he showed up in like a Toyota Tacoma, like this yeah. super nice truck. <laughs> and he was self-funding his, his training. Cause he was just a car salesman. And I'm like, yeah. dude, how, how are you doing this? Like, and he's just like, man, I just, this is what I want to do. And I'm making it happen. And I, I go to work and I work my tail off selling cars because it's taking me to my dream. So I just, yeah. when I, when I don't want to do it, I, I just buck up and I get it done. I'm like, holy cow. That's yeah. That's uh that's the feeling right there. That's awesome. Well, so cool. Great. Um, and did you ever have a moment where you just like thought like, man, I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like either money or maybe um, a check ride didn't go well, or um, you had a bad instructor or a flight that just really discouraged you. Um, did you I, kind of hit like a valley? Yeah, I actually did. And, and I think, you know, that could be a very discouraging moment for a lot of people. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what exactly brought me there. Basically, I, I think before I actually went into the car industry and started making money or whatnot, I... I was a teenager. I was wanting to go out and have fun, you know, party and stuff. And, and basically 2000, what was it? 2016, I think I flew say 150 hours. Right. And 2017 came out and I only flew 15. Wow. So I barely did any flying for that little period of time there. And my now wife, she was then my girlfriend. She was like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> this is what you told me is your dream and you're letting it go for what and i was like you know what i think you're right and and after that conversation with her i just grinded until i got it done and now i'm flying a lear so it's kind of hard to beat that yeah that's that's crazy because no no matter who is on this podcast i basically asked them how in the world did you get through 
those challenging times or whatnot. And they always say, my wife, my parents, my friends, like you have to have cheerleaders. If yes. It's very, very, it's not impossible, but it's very hard to get through flight training unless you have a cheer squad behind you. It is. It is. Even if it's only that one person. And it's crazy because, you know, as I said, I, this was my lifelong dream. This is what I always saw myself doing. And even I fell into that pit for a little bit and being like, you know, do I really want to do this? And and yeah, well, I needed that little bit of a kickstart again to, to finish yeah. it up. So for real, definitely find that one person that when you don't want to go out to the airport and you just want to sit on the couch and hang out, that that person that will tell you, go. Yeah, yeah, get, get out of your butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how you arrived to where you are today. Kind of what did you flight instruct for a little bit? What was like your first airline or airplane job? And then yeah, how did so you kind of land? I'm actually on my first airplane job right now. Um, cool. One, once I got my commercial and stuff, I did do a couple of ferry flights uh, for a couple people just enough to build a little bit of hours, but not much. Most of the hours from like, let's say to 250, right? Until I actually got hired at, to fly this Lear at 400 hours of flight time. So this 150 hours of building time, a lot of the time I was building time with friends. Um, there were a couple of uh, ferry flights, like I mentioned. The biggest thing that I can say as to like where I'm at right now is try to meet as many people in the industry as you can. Yes. Um, if it wasn't, so I actually, the person who referred me into this job used to be, or still is, is a friend of mine from Utah Valley University that I met at the college. So we worked together at the college. I used to work at the airport there for a little bit. And he went and flew cargo for a little bit. And then he got this job flying the Lear. And I, I was always on, you know, I was always on him. He's, hey, man, I want that job. I want that job. I want that job. And the opportunity finally arose. And he's like, hey, there looks like it's a position. Do you want it? I was like, of course. Um, yes. So, I, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, of course. And uh, I applied. I didn't hear anything back for a couple of days. And I called the chief pilot. I called him two, three times until he was finally like, man, you won't stop calling me. I think you really want the job. <laughs> I was like, you're right. I do. I, I want the job. So, yeah, so I, I, I got very lucky. I'm very thankful to the position that I'm at. And we're, we're flying all over the U.S., sometimes Canada, Mexico, and it's, it's been awesome. That's, that's great. Um, there's like a lot of pilots that you'll meet. They've flown for the regionals. They have corporate experience. They have, you know, PIC time flying turbine engines and mm -hmm. la di la di da and they're sitting on their butts complaining like, Oh, no one will hire me. I can't find a job and life's so hard. And, um, it's crazy that there will be pilots like that. And then there will be pilots that are 250 hour commercial pilots that yeah. have these jobs flying these awesome airplanes, because it's all about who, you know, and having a smile on your face. Like if you're out at the airport and you're not talking to anybody, you're not being nice, you're not doing favors, you're not, helping people pull their airplanes out or yep. you're not offering to help, you know, just change their oil or hang around people's hangar. If you're just kind of sticking to yourself with a frown on your face, like, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of money and kind of be wandering around looking for a job at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, aviation is a, is a really tight community. 
um, if I can say that. And it's a lot about who you know, but it's also about, you know, marketing yourself out there, making like, how can I meet as many people as I can? Yeah. And how can I help? Um, I haven't, I haven't gotten much success on this, on, on one part, <laughs> which it's funny. There's a, and, and I think you're in there uh, on the Utah Aviation Group yeah on facebook and i actually posted not too long ago it's like hey someone needs help cleaning the airplanes or washing the hangar or whatever it is i sit at home with my current schedule now so i work for 18 days and i'm off for 12 and i could be sitting at home the whole time or i could actually be useful for some so i was like hey if someone has a job around the airplane that they need help with i'll go and help yeah and and no one reached back yet but i i wish they did because i would love to help yeah, no, that, that's exactly what you got to do. Just stick yourself out there. Yeah, you got to you got to make yourself, you know, marketable. You got to know people. And the more you know, the, the better it is, I, I think. Very cool. I love it. Thank you so much. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, the airplanes that you flew through your training and the jump to the airplane that you're flying now and what that was like. Yeah, um, I flew quite a bit of airplanes through my training um, down in Brazil. A lot of them were tail draggers. Now, in Brazil, you do not require a, it's not a type rating. What's the word I'm looking for? Tailwheel endorsement? Yeah, you don't need a tailwheel endorsement. So you can literally go from a Cessna to a tailwheel and fly as long as you're proficient at it. Yeah. So I flew different types of Piper Cubs. Uh, my dad and I actually owned a Piper Cub for a little while. Flown a Cessna Tripacer, uh, Archers. I flew the Baron for a little bit, Seneca. Those were like my flight training airplanes that I went through. Of course, your Cessna's 172s and whatnot. Yeah. And like I said, I, I was really lucky to get this job at such low hours that I did. So I went from, a, say, the biggest airplane there being a Seneca 2, right, turbo engine, okay, going from that to a Lear 55 originally. Wow. Flew the Lear 55 for a little bit and then, uh, transition got upgraded to the Lear 60 and been flying that for the past few months there. Cool. And, and what was that like jumping into a jet and getting trained in that and it's, just everything happening so much faster? Exactly. I think that's, that's the word there. Things just happen so much faster. I, uh, for the first, you know, I would say like 10 hours of being on the right seat from the moment of takeoff until I was finally able to catch my breath and say, you know, where am I at? <laughs> and I would look to the side. I'm like, oh, man, looks like we're flying high. And I'll look at the altimeter and we're at 20,000 feet already. I was like, whoa, OK, yeah. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> behind the airplane. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a really big learning curve, especially on those first 50, 50 hours, 100 hours, maybe depending on you. But it, it's a big difference. For sure. So what would what recommendations would you have for someone who is upgrading to a jet um, to help them kind of with the learning curve? Uh, definitely know your limitations. <laughs> that's, that's the first one there. But um, things are going to happen really fast. Uh, the biggest thing is, is trying to keep yourself calm and try to understand the most you can. And, you know, you're going to learn a lot of the airplane as you go through it. So it might feel, you know, very intimidating going to the sim for the first time, especially if you've never been in one, is an intimidating factor. Um, but, you know, it's part of the transition. That's what you want. So just stick with it. 
be focused, study, study a lot, yeah. and and you'll be fine. Cool. cool. No, that's awesome. So, what are some favorite destinations that you've flown, or any cool, funny stories of your, you know, flying? Uh, we fly every once in a while. I fly a couple of famous people. Those are those are fun. Cool. Um, a couple of the Dallas Cowboys football players. We we get those quite a bit. Nice. Favorite favorite destination for me. I I do love going to Florida. Uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for the big city. So <laughs> you know, South Florida, New York, Manhattan. There, um, we do go quite a bit. Also to Jackson Hole. I'm actually going there Saturday. And if you've ever been up there beautiful place good fishing so yeah the, the, there's some good places that we go to sometimes we get to take some uh some cool people around and and it, yeah it, it feels it feels really fun it's it doesn't really feel like a job most of the times yeah so um for people who are worried about doing what you do or the airlines or being any sort of pilot because they're either a mother or a father, you're a family man yourself. What uh, advice would you give to a family man or a family woman who wants to become a pilot on how to balance your work life and your home life? Right. Um, each job, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to, let me put it this way. If, if you go in a part 121 job, so if you go to the airlines and, and you're probably familiar with this, there's more of a set schedule. You kind of know what's going to happen. Um, myself, I never want to go to the airlines, but I, I might, you know, eventually if we need to, we, I will, but mm -hmm. that, that, that's not my dream. I, I don't want to go to the airlines now flying a part 135. If you're flying fractional, even for a part 91, just like an airplane owner himself, the schedules can vary wildly. Um, yes. some people <laughs> here and they'll have like seven days on seven days off, um, you know, 15 on 13 off. For me right now, I got an 18 on, 12 off. Wow. So it's a long time away from family. And that's the toughest part of the job. Like if it, you know, a matter of like, hey, are you working? Yes. Then that's just that being away from family for so long. But, you know, it, you've got to create those clear expectations before you before you start anything. Mm -hmm. And I I wouldn't be able to do it if, if my wife didn't support me. So matter of when I come home for those 12 days, I'm out of work. I, I forget about work and, and I just focus my attention on her. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, quantity of time is nice, but at the end of the day, it's the quality of the time that you spend. You can, you could work from home and see your spouse all day, every day. Mm -hmm. But if you're on your phone or answering emails or preoccupied or just, you know, whatever, then obviously your family and marriage life will go down. But if you are gone 18 days out of the month and home 12, but those 12 days, you're just treating her like the queen she is and loving on your right. kids, then I think um, it's just whatever you make it. Yep, exactly. I mean, is it tough? Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it just kind of comparing to like the car industry that I mentioned that I was at, and that, that's exactly it. I mean, I would be gone from seven in the morning until eight at night, mostly every day. Yeah, I made good money and that was great. But I went home, slept, woke up next morning and did it all over again. Mm -hmm. it, it, it didn't really feel like I had much anything besides, hey, babe, 
good night, you know? <laughs> and, and now it's actually like, Hey, I'm going to go home. How about we go on a trip? How about we go camping? How about we actually spend quality time together? Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, FaceTime nowadays, it, it helps out quite a bit. So we're all yeah. always on the phone and talking to each other and stuff. So cool. That's awesome. Well, sweet. Um, what, um, what advice do you have just to anyone that wants to become a pilot, but they don't think that they can just because of, of money studies? Um, yeah. Just what words of encouragement might you have for them? Uh, what I'm going to say it's, it's rewarding for once. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it, it doesn't feel like work. Yes. There are the parts of where you actually, you know, have to have your normal stress, but I had breakfast this morning in San Antonio, Texas, and I'm about to drive over to Denver so I can have dinner tonight. So <laughs> you have the opportunity, you know, of like traveling around. Um, most of the hotels we stay are pretty nice. You get to meet different people. You get to just live a different life. You know, it doesn't feel like you're stuck in an office 24-7. The, the biggest challenge right now, especially I would say, is you're looking at the coronavirus and what's that causing to the airlines and are they ever going to recover right in my point of view yes um will it might it take some time yeah however if you're starting your flight training today you're not going to be done tomorrow so yeah. <laughs> get it done be ready because when things start going back up if you have the right attitude the right you know mindset you're you're going to be taken care of yeah you'll be ready for when the wave comes exactly. back exactly. so no that's that's awesome advice man well very cool um that's pretty much all i have on on my plate on my notepad that i've been scribbling on and uh, anything that you want to finish up with or you feel good about it no i i i like it i uh i enjoyed spending uh some time here with you hopefully your students and whoever else watches this will enjoy it as well and yeah feel free to reach out if if i can help in any way um I'm always, I'm always arms open for whoever needs help. Awesome. That, that attitude is, is awesome. Um, people who look at pilots like you and go, oh man, he's so lucky. He's, you know, it's all been kind of given to him. I wish I was like him and had his life. That's, that's a bunch of crap because hey. it's the attitude that comes first that got you to where you are. You yeah. didn't, you didn't become a Learjet pilot. And then decide, okay, I'm gonna be happy and helpful. You were happy and helpful, and then you became the Learjet. Yeah, and, and and here's here's one funny thought, right? Because when I was younger, I was I don't know, 17, 18. I would look at people around 25, 26, my age now, and I'd say, man, look at that guy. <laughs> I actually met a guy, and he was 21 at the time, and he he couldn't get his ATP license because he was way too young, or he was 20 or something. And I was like, man, look at that. The guy's already like 1500 hours, but he can't get his ATP because of how young he is. <laughs> and fast forward a few years and now I'm here, you know? Yeah. So if it's your dream, if it's something you think you can do, stick through it and you're, you're going to get there. It, it may seem far, it may seem pretty tough, but once you look back, you're going to be like, wow, I actually accomplished it. And you know, now it's time to enjoy. Awesome. Man, your your words have just been golden. So thank you so much for, for being a part of the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you, Rafael. Yeah, thank you. Just a, a quick uh, a plug in there. Go uh, for it. Give me a follow on Instagram. It's uh, Lupo, the pilot, L-U-P-O. 
and uh, you guys can follow me around on the some adventures there. Oh, I love it. All right, everybody, go follow Lupo the pilot and uh, send him a message letting him know that you heard it here. So thank you so much, Rafael. Hey, thanks a lot, Dallin. You uh, take care, man. Got that set. Yeah, I got that set. Woke up in the vet. Headed to the jet. It's a set. Run up, good up. Words of weapons, scheming different levels. Inception, catch that interception. Run it till it's OV. OG, pass, pass it to the worthy. RSK, let it play, boy. We be killing it most days. Our bonds are tight with no phrase. Welcoming Mashing up with the most base We've ended up okay And our whole crew's here to stay Dogs have left the pound Boy, we ain't here to play By now you gotta know The kills on the roof We got the flow We go, we go, we go, we go We show, we show, we show, we show Killing it from the backseat Bending with the chick in the backstreet You're never ever gonna pass sweet As long as we